Hey everybody, this is Pastor Luke McDonald and this is the Good News in the Neighborhood podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. You're gonna find two things in this feed. In this season, you're gonna find Sunday sermons from our church in Palatine, Illinois. And you're gonna find an occasional little piece of content that is towards our initiative to try to help our church read the Bible more regularly. It's called Good With Our Bibles. We're trying to read the Bible regularly and we're trying to interpret it accurately. And that's what you're gonna find in this feed. We are a multi-ethnic Bible teaching life-giving church. This is our little theme song that you're hearing in the background. And uh, it helps us, anything you do, rating the podcast, sharing it, all that stuff helps the word get out. We're not trying to build the name of a church. We're trying to build the name of Jesus in our little local community. And if you found this, I hope it's useful to you. Thank you. Let's listen now. Excited to be uh, here together. That's uh, a song that Kim is part of writing and she just put out an album that's all over the places that you can find music. So uh, Kim Stratton, you'll see she's got like a chef hat on. It's a cool vibe. You're going to want to check it out. Um, she's a wonderful blessing to our church and we're thrilled that she's here. I'm excited to preach to you now. I feel like I got a long way to go and not that much time. If you have a Bible, I hope you'll open it, please, to the book of Galatians um, in chapter 5 and then we're going to do some work in the book of James too. We've been talking uh, this summer so far. Uh, we've been doing a set of messages called Summer Fruit. I'm Luke, by the way, if I don't know you, welcome. Uh, we've been doing a set of messages called Summer Fruit and it came from a couple of... Uh, questions that we were asking and some things that we were trying to think through. The first question is, uh, why are so many people stuck? Why are so many people stuck? Like year by year by year, it's another summer, soon it'll be another fall, soon it'll be another winter, soon it'll be another spring. Why are so many people like, I mean, kind of, if we're being honest, I'm like dealing with the same problems as I was two years ago, and I'm frustrated by my same habits as I had five years ago. Why are so many people stuck? The second question that kind of got us moving was, um, this is the part that really starts to be confusing. Why are so many people who have spent like their lives in Bible studies, sometimes the least loving and least kind of all of them? So if it can't, if the answer isn't just like put more Bible verses into your head and then you'll get unstuck, which I don't know about you. I kind of started out in life thinking that was the answer. And then you, it was cool. (laughs) You kind of figure out that it isn't the answer. That's what got us to summer fruit. We've been studying this uh, passage in Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 16, where Paul says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other. We've been talking about that like a tug of war. He says, because these, the spirit and the flesh, they're at war against each other. There it is, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. So since the last time you sat in this room, some of you that was a week ago, some of you that was Easter, some of you that was somewhere in between, since the last time you sat in a room like this and gave real attention to your spiritual life, there's been this war going on inside of you to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. And this is where Paul gets to. He says... The fruit of the Spirit is the solution. Fruit of the Spirit is the solution. That is the virtue that we put on to destroy the tug of war inside of us, to try to win it as best we can. It's things like love and joy we've talked about and peace. That's what we're going to talk about today. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these things, there's no law. Like nobody's against. You know what I hate about that guy? He's so gracious all the time. He's so kind. Like what's his deal? Nobody's against those things is what he's saying. 
And so we've been talking about the fact that the only way to win the tug of war is to survive it, growing slowly stronger day by day until I meet Jesus face to face. So that's uh, by way of introduction. Thank you. We're going to talk about peace today. This is uh, the thing that so many people are clamoring for. Uh, early service is where I'm talking right now. The early service is filled with, uh, often every week, lots of parents of younger people. This is the service early morning where across the hall we often get interrupted because there's a preschooler like losing their minds. And when you're in the stage of life with a little kid or little kids, so often the thing that you hear a person at that stage of life say is, I just want some... I just want to be able to like not have someone grabbing me or filling my ears with whatever every single second that I'm awake. And then you kind of, a lot of folks who are here at this service too are at a different stage in life where things are quieter, maybe literally, but there's kids and grandkids to be praying for and for some people, parents still to be caring for in their old age and economic things to be worrying about and at least when the kids are screaming at you, you still have the control of putting them in the bed. Now they're like, you can't do anything about what they're doing, and you're still doing your best to pray and care, and it feels like a different version of a lack of peace, right? It, peace, I was taught this way, this definition, this definition, I think it's a good one, that peace is the calm assurance that what God is doing is best. So peace is the willingness to stand right here on June, I don't even know what day is today? Four. Thank you, thank you, yeah. Uh, that wasn't like a bit. I really didn't know. June the 4th, it's the one is to sit here on June the 4th and say, well, you know what? Like, there's a lot of stuff in my life that I wish was a little different. Can I get a witness anywhere in the room who could give a list of things they wish were a little different about the way life is going? But you know what? God's been enough for me that I know that the path that he's taking me down, he has my good in it. And so it allows me to just be able to kind of, because fussing and pushing and flailing against the situation that I'm in, I've realized it's not going to do much for me. Uh, we've been using a fruit to go with each one of the fruits of the Spirit. The one we're going to talk about today is uh, pieces like a blueberry, I think. I don't know. Um, but you're all eating donuts, and I'm eating these berries early in the morning. Blueberries kind of have that calm. Uh, they promote relaxation. There's a tranquility, a serenity. I could take or leave a blueberry. What I really like is those, which I actually figured out they're not, I always thought they were blueberries, those acai chocolate-covered ones. They're sort of like blueberries. I've polished off a bag or three of those in my time. What I came to talk to you about today is um, this. More than something we passively long for, peace is something we actively create. So I came to tell you today. So what's inherent in that I just want a little peace, is this sort of like, I can't do anything about it. I'm just kind of wishing it would come my direction. Yeah. Like, I just want to be able to sit in my chair on Sunday afternoon and read my book and not have anybody hassle me, or I just want to be able to live my life and not have all kinds of nonsense tearing at me. But it, it can become a very, like, um, something that I'm wanting, that I'm not doing anything to try to find or gain. In fact, the, the real peace, which isn't the absence of discomfort, but it's this calm assurance that God's got me, no matter what it feels like today, that comes from the choices that I make. It's something that I can actively create. Uh, James 
chapter 3, these three verses, I want to just teach to you a little bit today, and I hope it's going to be helpful. This is James chapter 3. It says this, For where um, jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. The American political system. There it is for you, friends. Where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above, it, it's, it's pure and it's peaceable and it's gentle and it's open to reason. It's full of mercy and good fruits. It's impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. That key word there is make. There is something for you and me to do to, be, to bring about the peaceful existence that we long for. Uh, what are we longing for? Peace in the church. We're longing for peace in our communities. We're longing for peace in the world. And we have the opportunity to do something about it. He doesn't mean here just like tolerance. That's what the world would teach you, is that the way towards peace is tolerance. As long as you let everybody do whatever they want, and as, as long as you just like promise yourself you're not going to make a face, the next time the phone goes off in church, it's just going to be fine, you know? The peace is this like, uh, it's not just tolerance. It's not just letting everybody do whatever they want. It's more. Um, we've talked about this before, but this is where I think we can learn a lot. There's a difference between peacekeeping and peacemaking. There's a difference between peacekeeping and peacemaking. Have you ever been around uh, that person, or maybe it was like for you, uh, maybe you had a teacher like this in school, or maybe this was your intuition in parenting or something, but the person who is always just trying to get everybody to calm down, but there's no authority behind it, so everybody kind of knows they can just keep doing whatever. You know, this, did you ever have this person in your life where they're like, you better stop, or else it was like uh, Carter, our oldest, graduated. Um, that was this week, I think. It's been a long week. And at the, at the beginning of the graduation ceremony, there's like, you know, whatever, six, 700 people there, and they're like, okay, we don't want to be disrespectful to each other, so don't cheer when you hear the kid's name, because then you're going to drown somebody else, and then it's always the same. It starts with the A's, and people are like, kind of chill. And then like somewhere in the B's, people start like yelling, and then people realize, like, oh, I mean, the kid's still got the diploma. Like, nothing really happened. So then it just kind of gets louder and louder and louder. So when we got to the Zs, you couldn't even, like, barely hear anybody because it just, because people realized that there was this request, but since there was nothing behind it, do whatever. I'll let you imagine how I participated. Uh, uh, but some people are peacekeepers like that. Peacekeeping minimizes conflict. Peacemaking works to solve it. And the call for every person who is a follower of Jesus Christ is not to simply be a peacekeeper, but a peacemaker. That's what he means in verse 18 that I just read to you. It says, a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Let me tell you a little bit about um, some mindsets. And I see it all in those three verses there, which I'm going to show to you again. Here's some mindsets that prevent peace. So he says there in the first verse that I read to you, verse 16, he says, where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, 
There's going to be disorder in every vile practice. So if the mindset that I have is I want what you have, it's very difficult for us to have peace between us. And so much of what ails the relationships in our world between siblings, between people that work together, between people around us is I want what they have. So the relationship is broken because I have it, what James calls it here, a selfish or unreasonable ambition. I have this intense desire for what somebody else has. I'm fixated on what somebody else has that I don't, and that prevents peace. Why? Because as long as I'm thinking about somebody else, I don't have any calmness in what God has given me. That is really challenging. It's really challenging in the social media age. It's really challenging no matter what stage of life you are because it's really easy to look at people and think, man, I'd I'd like their metabolism or... Sorry, I'm just trying to be honest. Thanks, Jane. Yeah, you're the only one that I felt like met me. Thank you. I'd like to have kids as smart as theirs or I'd like to have the job that they have or I'd like to have the inheritance that came their way, or I'd like, to, I'd like to, observing it is one thing, but I don't know, do you ever get around people that are like so focused, they can't stop talking about other people, and they're all churned up, which means they can't help but churn up every relationship and person around them. It's a mindset that prevents peace. A second one is when I want progress over people. Do you see there he says, so the wisdom from above is pure, and then look at all the things that he lists there in verse 17. They're, it's peaceable, it's gentle. He says it's open to reason, it's full of mercy and good fruits. Do you see that whole list there? Impartial and sincere. So every one of those things, you see it? Peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial and sincere. I would argue that every one of those things is kind of slow, And sometimes the reason that we don't have peace is we're trying to get where we're trying to get more than we're trying to be with the people right near us. I have this um, bad habit when our family goes on vacation of trying to make like the stops for the bathroom and the whatever the snack, like as short as humanly possible. Do I have anybody like this in the, yeah, okay. Oh, wow, okay, good. Both of you are like that. Wow, I do not ever want to go on a trip with you guys, yeah. And it's like, we're, we're like, and sometimes Kristen will be like, hey, we're going to drive for like 12 hours today. Does like four extra minutes like really make that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things? But maybe I'm reading your mail. Uh, but sometimes our desire for pace, I want to get it fixed. I want to get it sorted out. I want to talk even if they don't really want to talk. I want to make it happen. I want to make things okay. I want to push. That prevents the peace that we long for. Things can't be calm because we're trying to go at a pace that we can't really go at. Third, uh, this would maybe be the main one, mindset that prevents peace is the instinct that so many of us have to say, probably best just to let it go. There's a passivity that so often comes into situations that really harms our desire for peace. Do you see it there? In verse 18, he says, a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. It is pointing at action. But there's this instinct that we have with other people in our lives to kind of like um, tell them that 
the thing that hurts doesn't hurt. I feel like I'm telling a lot of personal things today, but this, um, whenever one of the boys gets injured when they're playing sports, my first thing is like, eh, you're not hurt. I just hear myself say it, like fall, they hit their head, they're like whatever, the other, and then they're like, ah, eh, but you're not hurt. Anybody got that kind of, yeah, that's sort of a dead impulse. I think it's okay. Uh, but we do that for like real things too. It's a really bad habit in marriage. It's a bad habit in life. It's a bad habit at work. It's a bad habit when someone says, this really hurt me. If you're in, if you're like first impulse is to say, well, cool, why don't you just never talk about it again and be fine with it? So it's a really good discipline personally to learn to let things go, right? It's really good personally to learn things let to let things go. It's a pretty unfair and unkind thing to be constantly pressuring the people in your life to let things go. If it hurts, it hurts, and it's not going to stop hurting until it's healed. And just like saying like a bigger band aid. So a lot of times we use our words. He says, a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. But there is this instinct, even sometimes from Christians, um, I wrote it down this way, I don't want to do the work of fixing it, so I'm going to negate the necessity or pretend that it's already fine. Like, I don't want to do the work, so I'm just going to say it's fine already. Uh, Let me show you what I mean. Parnell, Stever, you're both in the sermon, come on. Do you guys notice how I've been using this guy in the sermon all the time? And then he started singing this morning. It was like, what? 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 Amazing. All right, come here. Thanks, guys. So uh, we've learned this before. If you were here at the church, we did a whole series of messages on the book of Philemon, and this is what it's all about. Um, so let's just say you two know each other a little bit. You're doing ministry. You're sitting in the front row. Let's just say that you two fall into a relational, relational breakage where now there's a, there's a problem. And this isn't like a, you know, he took my parking space or like, he got the last large t-shirt outside thing. It's like something happened, and now there's a, something broken in relationship. And I'm standing over here, and I'm your friend. What the Bible teaches is that if I'm on great terms with you and on great terms with you, but you're not on good terms with each other, I have an obligation and a responsibility to get in the middle and to say, all right, fellas, we, both love, we all love the Lord Jesus Christ, and that is more important than whatever thing is broken. So what we're going to do is we're going to sit here right now, no matter how awkward, and I'm just three dudes talking about our feelings. Lord knows. It's already like uncomfortable just in this made-up illustration. I'm feeling like, why would this ever? But the key person in this circumstance is the person in the seat that I'm standing in, is the person to say, we're cool. We're cool. Trust me. Let's work it out. Let's work it out. Let's work it out. Stand for just one second. The way I wrote this down, if people are on, two people are on good terms with me, but bad terms with each other, I have an obligation and an opportunity to step in the middle and help them sort it out. Why? You're good. Thank you. It's the last part of that verse I read. A harvest of righteousness is sown, so it's an agricultural metaphor, in peace by those who make peace. When I make peace for others, God grants peace to me. Woo! So I want, like, more calm. I want less friction. What the Bible's teaching me here is the way to do that isn't to sit over here, huddled in my little spot, thinking over and over and over about how I want things to be better or different. What the Bible is teaching me here is, no, 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 get off your chair. Go find where you can help other people. And then all of a sudden, you know what the Lord is going to do to you? 
He's going to grant you the thing that you're longing for when you get on his mission and help other people. That was worth coming to church for today, I have faith to say. <laughs> Things that create peace. It's from the same passage. First, we see prioritizing godly wisdom over worldly wisdom. Do you notice there in verse 17, it says, but the wisdom from above. Too many people are breaking relationships that they care about and hurting people in their family because they got their like kind of notes for how to deal with the situation from some lady who's on Instagram who's like probably about to get divorced anyway because she spent too much time influencing instead of like dealing with her own stuff and like, the wisdom that we want and need is not worldly wisdom. The wisdom that we want and need comes from this book right here. It has everything you need to sort out the things that you're facing right now. So whatever problem you're trying to figure out, step one is, all right, now what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? How can the Bible's insights, this is why I love and try to push us all to read the book of Proverbs, because the book of Proverbs is insight for complicated situations. The Bible's got lots of clarity for us. It's easy to grasp on like, yeah, when you're leaving church, if you see somebody that you don't like in the middle of the road, you shouldn't run them over with your car. That's pretty simple, pretty easy. I feel like we could all get on point with that. But most of the life, complicated stuff is like, I kind of feel like I should do this, but I, I kind of feel like I should do this, and I don't. That's what the book of Proverbs is for. Um, it helps us. This is godly wisdom about what it means, the peacemaking process. There's three things. We've talked about this before, but I think this is so helpful. Forgiveness, one. you got to get these words and their definitions clear in your mind and in your head for yourself and for other people, one. Forgiveness is the unconditional release of the person who hurt me. You can forgive someone even if they don't ask for it. You can forgive someone even if they didn't do anything wrong. You can forgive someone no matter how deeply they hurt you because in the end, forgiveness isn't for them at all. Forgiveness is for you. So many people are walking around, you've probably heard it before, but it's true, drinking poison all the time and they don't realize that it's killing them and not the person. That's the thing that's crazy. When the person that really hurts you probably isn't thinking about you at all. But you roll it over in your head, roll it over in your head, roll it over. That's forgiveness, unconditional release. Jesus Christ went to the cross for me and he, I did on all kinds of foolish things. And he unconditionally forgave me for my sins, so I'm going to unconditionally release you. That is a different thing. Forgiveness is different than reconciliation. Reconciliation is the recommitment of relationship based on resolution of the incident that caused me harm. Okay, so the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation is often why uh, churches and counselors and Christian people hurt each other without meaning to, is forgiveness is different, is different than reconciliation. Let me say it like this. Um, if your spouse ran around on you, you need to forgive them just as God in heaven has forgiven you. But that doesn't mean that you need to let them back into your house or back into your bed or pretend like it didn't happen if they haven't asked for forgiveness. Do you see the difference? So reconciliation is where the person is able to say to me, yeah, I did do that, and I'm sorry. And now I have the opportunity to rebuild the relationship again because we can see the same thing. I have to forgive them even if they don't see that they need it. But to reconcile requires something mutual. But even past that is something even bigger, and that's restoration. That is where the 
relationship is put back completely and, in fact, better than before to complete realignment of mutual love and trust. And each one of those steps is a different step. And each one of those steps must be taken carefully and thoughtfully when deep things happen that hurt us. And when we want to help other people make peace, this is the path that we go down. So that was all under things that create peace. That is godly wisdom. Second, uh, when I have a posture of people first, that helps me make peace. Most of the time when I make peace in the relationships in my life, it is because I'm willing to say, you are more important to me than the thing that you did that hurt me. You are more important to me than the habit that you have that drives me crazy. You are more important to me than the thing we disagree about. Uh, three. I think we have a scripture verse that goes with that, Proverbs 15, 1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Man, this happens all the time. It really is true. Like, when a person is willing to say, hey, I'm sorry, I blew it, it just melts off. And when we're willing to say that to each other, amazing things start to happen. Uh, three, this is, James 3 speaks to this so well. A genuine ability to listen and change my mind is a huge part of bringing peace. It's a mindset. It's a way of thinking. A genuine ability to listen and change my mind. You see it? Back to the text. But the wisdom from above, do you see it? It's pure. Now look at the next words. Still that scripture back up there, Nick. Thanks, buddy. It is peaceable, gentle, here it is, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits. Uh, I'll say it again. Most of the people in this room are people of faith. The reason why often people of faith are bad at making peace is because we're so stinking sure all the time that we're right about everything. We start the conversation with like, well, I'm already right, and you're already wrong, and my goal in this conversation is to help you realize that you're wrong. Okay, cool. So what if we just don't even try to have this conversation then? Uh, Jesus Christ rose from the grave. I'm more sure about that than anything in this universe. But I think that maturity in Christ requires each of us to slowly stop being so sure that we're right about subjective things that are a little bit more complicated. It might be that I didn't really feel like I was a jerk, but if the other person felt like I was a jerk, why not just give in? But we're so strident often, and it says to you, do you see it? So the way to make peace is to be open to reason, is to open my ears, is to listen to the other person. Uh, This often requires being willing to listen, even to people who are under my authority, It requires being willing to uh, not always think that I'm right. I would say, let me say it like this, something for your consideration. I know there's a lot of people who've been following Jesus for a long time in the room today. As we mature, I think that what often should happen and does happen is we get more sure about the most important things in our life and faith and more flexible about everything else. Can I get a witness? Anybody else with me? Think that I'm like more sure about Jesus and loving my family and, and trying my best and the rest of the stuff. You see how people are like their level of aggression about what the bears should do and 
which weatherman is better and like which politician and people are just like so sure and you're like, I don't know, like, I think that's actually a sign of maturity. It helps us make peace with other people. Um, it also is a heart willingness, two more things, we're almost done. A heart willingness to let offenses go is a huge part of making peace. You see it there in the text again. It says, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. A willingness to let things go that people do that bother me is a huge part of making peace. And then lastly, something that creates peace, things that create peace. Last thing, patient while awaiting positive outcomes. Being patient while I'm awaiting positive outcomes. Do you see it? He says, a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Okay, that's an agricultural metaphor. It's an agricultural metaphor. So what happens between the sowing of the crop? I know we don't have a lot of farmers. I don't see any of our Crystal Lakers here this morning. I, I'm going to keep saying that. So just you're going to start laughing or you're not, but I'm going to keep saying it. The, what happens in between planting the crops and harvesting the crops? What happens? Time. Time and a lot of work and time. And that metaphor is used over and over and over in Scripture on purpose because it emphasizes that fruit takes time. Fruit takes time. If you storm out of church today saying, I've got four lists, I've got a list of three or four people that I know that need to make peace with each other, and I want peace to come into my life, so I'm going to make all of them come over to my house tonight, and they're all going to sit in the front room while I sit in the back room, and we're going to go through one by one by one, and we're going to get this sorted out, we're going to get it done, come on by midnight, everything through the finish line, let's go. You are destined to certainly fall flat and fail, and I promise, almost certainly make things worse. Fruit takes time. Um, Fruit takes time. I uh, have a variety of different, in my life personally, um, relationships that fell into complicated places some years ago. And I have some people that matter to me that I'm like on sort of uneasy terms with or not the best terms. And one of the hardest parts is accepting that sometimes the most peacemaking thing I can do is to wait until the right time to make peace. Man, it is so hard to realize like, yeah, that big conversation between Kristen and I, it's probably not a today conversation. That like thing that we need to sort out with one of the kids, I don't know, we're all kind of tired, it probably needs to wait, that's one thing. And then sometimes with people, it's like, this may need to wait a year. This may need to wait three years. This may need to wait. It's happened to me several times in the last year where God supernaturally brought me into a place where I was standing near someone that I wouldn't have had the courage to call. And then we have this whole beautiful conversation and you're like, Lord, like, I mean, I was exercising, so it was already a miracle that we were here. And then you brought me right to this person. Fruit takes time. It takes time. It takes time. It takes time. That doesn't mean that we go passive and don't care. Sometimes the part that you can do is to pray for God to give a circumstance for the peace to be made. Sometimes the thing that I can do, like we've talked about in this message, is to get to work on helping everybody in my life. Where, how can I help? What can I bring? I'm doing this. I mean, I had all week, so I was thinking about this. Two people that I know, uh, that I have friends with, who have not talked in 10 years because of a thing that happened I don't think anybody in this room maybe even knows any of these people. Uh, but I called them both on the phone. I'm having lunch with both of them this week. 
And uh, both of them called me yesterday trying to squirm out of it. And I was like, no, we're doing it. Because I'm on great terms with both of them. But they need to get back together again. And they have this thing that happened, and they don't totally agree about it. And I kind of understand a little bit. This is what always happens when you're a peacemaker. I kind of understand his side, and I kind of understand the other guy's side. And trying to bring it together. Why? Because I have things that I want to become peaceful in my life. And I have become convinced by God's word that the best thing to do to, for what I want to happen to happen is to try my best to take care of some things. So, uh, I mean, it's a big room full of people. We're almost done. Now, I know that's like the second time I've said that, so I promise I mean it this time. Your parents may have split up decades ago, but for the sake of their grandchildren, you may need to help them get on a better page. There may be two business partners, and you used to work with both of them, and now, like, they can't say the other one's name without a couple expletives next to it, but, like, you could try to broker it. There is such power in the selflessness of the peacemaker. And we want good fruit to come into our lives because it's going to help us get unstuck. So this is, remember, this is why we're talking about all these things, is we want to grow in all the ways however you want to grow. And what we're learning is if I just kind of fixate and focus on a stupid choice I'm trying to stop making or a bad pattern of thinking that I'm trying to end, if I just kind of like fixate on it, I'm going to be like eating a Wendy's Frosty by 10 a.m. tomorrow again. So the more I think about it, the hungrier I get. But when I, like Paul says, put on the fruit of the Spirit and go after the things proactively and positively that God wants for me in a way that is nothing short of miraculous, these things over here that I'm thinking about start to shift and start to change, and all of a sudden, I can become a different person like I long for. That's what I came to say today. Amen, Rick. That's what I came to say today. Why don't you stand to your feet and let me pray. <laughs> Thanks, Lord. Uh, our time in your word this morning, and uh, we're grateful that you made peace with us through the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross, and Lord, I'm just looking around the room thinking, I don't know how this uh, message is landing on different people around the room, but I want to pray that you would give them the courage and the strength to do something proactive with what you're putting in their heart right now. I want to pray, Lord, that you would bring to mind situations that you want to get us involved in. Give us courage to try again, courage to reach out again. Because when we make peace, we're like you. We're loving you. And so I pray uh, that you would turn it around. You would turn it around. In Jesus' name, if you agree, please say amen. This has been the Good News Neighborhood Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the song. I hope it's been helpful to you. We'll see you again soon. This is good news.